Welcome to Change of Plans. I'm Andres Zuleta. On Change of Plans, we feature stories of resilience and reinvention, interviewing entrepreneurs and other creative individuals who have found fun and inspiring ways to adapt to sudden, unexpected challenges. My guest today is Eric Rivera, chef owner of the innovative Seattle restaurant Otto. Eric is a master of adaptability and creativity. And when the coronavirus forced restaurants to shut down, his team sprung into action, coming up with more ideas every week than most restaurants come up with, well, ever. Eric, thanks so much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. I mean, I've found your newsletters and just your whole story really inspiring, you know, at a time when so many people are kind of paralyzed with fear. I'm wondering if you could just take me back to the moment, if there was a moment when you realized we're going to have to really just do something different uh, to make things keep working. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like a head on a swivel type person to begin with. Um, so I saw the stuff starting to come down in January when they, they started to talk about outbreaks in China, and how it was getting bad there. And then I just, it, you know, it's kind of like looking back at things that have happened with swine flu and other, you know, possible pandemics. And I, I've just always been realistic about it. Um, because who knows how fast things can go or who knows how slow things can go, but you need to pay attention. And so from the beginning, I was kind of monitoring it and seeing how things were going. And, you know, the February hit and we were doing really good. You know, it's around Valentine's Day and things are awesome. And then right around the week after that, more information started to get brought out about how it started to go to different places. And one of the first places uh, was Seattle, <laughs> or right outside of Seattle, which is Kirkland. Um, and so, you know, from there it was like, okay, this is, this is the real deal now. Um, and so what I wanted to make sure is that we could stay safe and figure out different ways to operate if we needed to, or if we were going to get completely shut down for me, I'm a small business. So it was, I don't have to answer to anybody. I don't have investors. I don't have anything. Uh, so for us, it was really trying to understand what it is and how we can get in where we fit in, you know, even if we could at all. Um, and so that's kind of like where everything started. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like you had a bit of a head start. You know, you had we're starting to think that, okay, we're going to have to maybe be creative. But was there a moment when you realized you have no choice? Yeah, I, you know, it's kind of been like that since day one um, of running this business. I started this off in my apartment almost three years ago. And so kind of building it up from there, I've been doing different things, you know, kind of where the supply and demand is and how do I adjust the things really quickly? You know, how do I cook out of a coffee shop that isn't set up to do things that I need to do as, as a chef? You know, it's just always been adaptable. Um, so for me, having the business, having employees, um, and then having guests that want something from us, it's figuring out how to package all that up and do it in a way that we can be ahead of the game, not waiting for anyone to tell us what to do or how to do it, but just staying ahead. So I was actually in Puerto Rico um, when the lockdown orders came for here, the stay-at-home orders, not lockdown, but stay-at-home orders. And I... I, I pivoted the entire company off my phone, um, like using it as a hotspot. 
uh, on my laptop. And I had employees that were here still. I was in Puerto Rico and we were doing a guided trip of Puerto Rico. And I do that every year with guests. And so that kind of added to the anxiety of it all because we were in Puerto Rico and I was seeing what was even happening there. And they were talking about shutting down the airport. And so we left like a day early and flew back as fast as we could, you know, looking at that now, I mean, that's pretty crazy, but I was just doing it because I knew that, you know, our, our employees, I don't, you know, I don't want to give them option. The only option of going, okay, you're, you're laid off now. Um, you're not on my payroll, figure your, your own stuff out. I didn't want to do that. Um, I also know that we operate very differently. So I know that normal restaurants that are banking on dine-in service, I know I could get around that completely um, by having other options and offerings available for us. And so I just knew that we had something, you know, even since day one, three years ago, that's been very different and you know, like kind of anti-restaurant. So I have so many, <laughs> so many questions about that. But- yeah. Just for people who maybe aren't as familiar with your story, when you say that you essentially pivoted your restaurant, yeah. you know, fr- what it, what exactly kind of was one of your first steps and one of your first pivots? Yeah, so basically what I wanted to establish was what are we going to sell to people to drive revenue here? Um, because that's basic business, right? Um, and I come from a background previous to this of basic business. Um, I got taken out during the last recession. I was in mortgage insurance and financial services. And um, I was 25 at the time when I had to basically hand in my keys to a house, a car, um, actually lay off employees because we had no option. (laughs) And I basically said, I need to figure out a different way to do this so that way that never happens again. And one of the things that I gravitated towards since I was like a little kid, I always loved to cook. So I chose a new profession completely and basically pivoted my life. (laughs) So I pursued that meaning cooking professionally. And I said, even if, you know, worse comes to worse, I could still make really good top ramen in my car and sell it if I need to that way. Um, so that's, that was my frame of mind since everything. So when we were looking at changing things at the restaurant, I just basically said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to basically treat everything like we're going to make it for guests in the dining room, but we're going to have them cook it. So establishing a pantry, um, with meat, seafood, dry goods, or not dry goods and prepared stuff, prepared meals, um, all the way to, you know, like meal kit, meal delivery, but taking it to the next step where they don't have to have a 25 step process. It could be like a three or four step process for them. And we're doing a lot of the front end prep. So that way they can be confident that they're not going to screw up dinner. Um, and then having accessibility between them and us, you know, it's not like I'm a global chain. I'm not like a globally known chef. So, you know, people can text me and I'm like, yeah, I mean, just sear it. You're fine. You know? And, <laughs> and it's, awesome. very, it's a very different point of view because I, it's, it's cooking, not rocket science. So my thing is just to treat it like, like it's not a big deal and, and meaning my point of view to them so they can feel confident about it. And they're like, oh, I'm not going to mess this up. I was like, why would you? Like, no, you're fine. And so we built a lot of experiences that way. We started to get, I started to get not bored, but I started to look at things that we were offering. And I'm like, I don't think this is enough. I don't think this is engaging our guests in the way that we need to. So then that's where we kicked on to like at-home experiences where, you know, for one, it was camping at home. We would buy tents. uh, We would make all these trail mix stuff. We'd make all these foods and all these different things. And they would set up the tent inside of their apartment or house. And then we would come back and I created a video playlist that worked out in real time. Uh, So that way it was them hiking through the forest. It has imagery. It's them building um, a camp 
site with a fireplace. And then, you know, going into that, then it's nighttime with, you know, them sleeping in the middle of the forest with, you know, cricket sounds and all that kind of stuff. So it, it's evolved really quickly where I'm trying to still basically figure out what it is that people want. They want to go dining at restaurants. They can't. So it's creating every other step minus them sitting down. Just going back to all of the projects that you have, you know, when someone goes to your website, there's like a zillion amazing things going on. So I'm just curious about your process. Um, yeah, sure. There, there's, there's proactive things that I want to stay out and see, like, I want to sell this and I want to have this, you know, four to eight weeks out. And that's a long-term thing that we could really dial in the process and make it really cool. Um, or there's reactive stuff. So when the first round of PPP loans came out, um, nobody got them except for chains. And so I said, you know, basically, fuck it. Um, if, they're, if we're not going to make money that way, I'll make money like this. And so I essentially mirrored a Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and a Shake Shack. And I'm like, and I'm, like, I'm going to make their food. I, I know I can make it. I know on my level, like, I, I know I can make a better Shake Shack burger. I know I can make a better Ruth's Chris steak. Um, and so we did that. And I followed their price point. And I have better ingredients and I sold it to my guests and I packaged it up that way. And I said, Hey, it's the same price, but you know, we're going to do it better. Um, and that's kind of my style to be like, okay, if that's going to happen, then here's this, if that's going to be the case, then here's that. And some of it can be really successful. Some of it's not, but we have enough stuff going on that it's okay. It's not like I'm trying to be a singular concept and I'm banking on that. I'm going, what do we need to generate in order to pay everything and how do we do that? And then from there, it's figuring out how far out that is, meaning like if this is too much of a crazy idea, do you think people would buy into it? I like that. Um, or is it this just like a grilled cheese sandwich day where somebody's buying a $2 grilled cheese every day? I'm cool with that too. So one of the things that really originally drew me to your story was how you were protecting your employees at a time when kind of the common refrain in the hospitality industry was, well, got to let everyone go. But, you know, when I read your perspective of taking care of your employees, it really resonated with me personally, because I'm also a small business owner. And I've also managed to keep all of my employees on. And most of the entrepreneurs that we're interviewing for this podcast are also doing all they can to keep, you know, their staff on too. So tell me a little bit more about kind of your approach. Yeah, I mean, my background is, like I said, business before this. And um, so I understand how numbers work. I understand how expectations work. And, you know, again, kind of going back to the last recession, I didn't want to have a second go around of laying people off. So whatever that was, cool. But, you know, when you fast forward 12, 13 years later, um, I, I understand what the employees are. I understand what they need. And I didn't want to take that away from them. You know, we launched. Uh, ben health benefits for them on April 1st, which is right in the middle of all of this stuff. You know, we pay 50% of the premium. So here's all these added costs, right? But it's a black and white thing to me where it's like, are you going to take care of your employees? And it's more than lip service because in the restaurant industry, it's always, yeah, we're all family and this and this and this. And I'm just like, I've never been laid off by my parents. I've never <laughs> been fired by my parents. So that's the, the reality of what a business is and what restaurants aren't. So the model of restaurants, you know, doesn't work. It's on them. Uh, everybody's always been waiting to, you know, oh, they don't want to have a tough conversation about what wages are and how people get paid or 
how tips subsidize, you know, are subsidized by uh, guests that come in because owners don't want to pay people that much. And it's just always passing the buck to somebody else. And I set the business up very differently from day one. You know, we don't do tips. We don't do service charge. We don't do a lot of the other things that restaurants do. You know, it's been harder to get everything dialed in to make it look like a cool Instagrammable inside of a restaurant. But I don't really give a shit about that stuff. I just, I, I put us on and said, if we're, I'm going to open a restaurant, the food's going to be dope. Everything else is auxiliary and we'll get there. So I, I don't want to speak for your employees, obviously, because yeah. I, I don't know them, but sure. I'm just curious. I mean, for, for their experience and I'm, I'm guessing, first of all, they quite appreciate your, your approach. And I'm also wondering yeah. how they've, how their roles have maybe had to shift during this crazy time. Yeah, it's been, I mean, it's not, it hasn't been easy. There's stuff that they've had to deal with. Um, you know, we've had a couple people that they were like, I'm not feeling good. And immediately it was go home, get tested. And they came back negative and, um, and everybody has their own, you know, issues outside of work. But I just, you know, I basically told people, I was like, Hey man, if you need to leave or if you have to do this, then we'll take care of you. We're not going to just like throw you aside. You know, if you don't feel comfortable coming in and work, we'll, you know, pay you um, for a certain amount of time that we can, <clears throat> you know, but other than that, it's, it's, we, don't, we haven't had that problem, you know, and I, I'm not asking anybody to do something that I wouldn't do myself. You know, so I'm, I'm pretty much here like every day, you know, Ingrid's been here like every day and, you know, we've got other employees that are just, I mean, we're knocking it out, you know, and I've finally got them back even with all this stuff to having a five day work schedule where they have two days off straight, you know, and that's like important. Uh, to me and it's important to them to just kind of hit that reset button and they can go home and sleep or <laughs> stare at a wall or play animal crossing or do what I, you know, what normal people I guess are doing. But you know, for me, it's the focus of making sure we can keep the thing going and keep them excited about it and keep them in the creative sense, you know, mind where it doesn't put them in a, in a hole where they're going like, Oh God, I gotta go to work today. I gotta make this stuff. Uh, here we, you know, it's, it's, it's more about like, you know, being a, a fun little pinball and you're going like, what are we going to do today? What's that? What's this? What's that? And, and keeping the same spirit of what we've always been doing. We're still being creative and innovative and that's, that's all I care about. What are some of the kind of experiences, projects, or just any, you know, anything that you're working on um, right now and kind of into the near future that you're most stoked about? Um, we did a um, experience before. It was basically traveling to 1950s Seattle and kind of seeing what that was about. I want to take that to kind of the next level now where it's not just in the past, but the present and then the future and just kind of package it all together. So kind of showing what on a spectrum uh, Seattle cuisine is. We had this Oregon Trail dinner series. Um, It was a strategy-based dinner game that we were doing. It was really, really popular. But I'm working on the at-home iteration of Oregon Trail right now. Um, So that's going to be basically put on Zoom and essentially, as the rounds go, people will get kicked off and we'll find the person or group or whoever that ends up at the end of the Oregon Trail. So bringing back that strategy-based dinner game, um, you know, Ingrid likes to play card games. And so she wants to host, you know, a night of going to Monaco where it's, it feels very luxurious. And then she's the card dealer, you know, so it allows them to kind of like dress up and they can feel fun and we can send them cool food. Um, but then it's interactive where, you know, at the end of the night, they'll win like a prize from us. How do you how do you plan right now when things are so unpredictable? You know, how do you plan for next week or next month? It's it's pretty tough, but it's staying 
well informed. Um, I'm look. I'm always looking at everything, you know, any sort of news or alerts or notifications. Um, but I'm trying to get an idea of what that means to our guests. So we have a lot of guests that work in tech, and so a lot of them told us ahead of time, "Hey, we're probably not going to be back. Actually, we're not going to be back in our offices until like 2021, if not plus 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 that." So then it's understanding that that's way further ahead than what any local or government people are saying. So then it's devising programs based off of what somebody would need to work from home and what that is. So is that a lunch from home thing? Because a lot of these guests would get free lunch. Um, They've had stations set up. They'd have all these things. So we developed a lunch from home program uh, for other planning. Everybody's going to want to go back to their favorite restaurants, whether they exist or not. I don't know but they're gonna to wanna to go back to that style and that set. So I'm working on something now where it's kind of to the next level of what I think dining will be and doing you know, a no contact completely dinner. So they can essentially have everything set up for them on a table that doesn't require any more touching uh, until they're done and they're ready to leave and they're gone. You know, so for them, it's like an easy pathway in, you're sitting, food's already there, the drinks are there, everything's ready, and then it's, it's, that's like the efficiency of it. Awesome. You know, putting aside the big chains and the big restaurants and the big name chefs, what advice would you give to other small business owners and small restaurant owners who are not quite finding the level of inspiration that you're tapping into right now? I mean, put on the blinders and go forward. You know, for the last three years, it's been really interesting because while I was doing things here in the city, everybody just kind of laughed it off and thought it was a joke, um, you know, and, and couldn't really understand what we were doing. And they're like, what is it, a restaurant? Do they do catering? Do they do tasting menus? Do they do chef's table? And all I was, I would just tell them, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, what's the concept? I'm like, we're open, <laughs> you know? And so at that point, it's just put, put the blinders on and just who cares, you know? if we have certain things that are happening too many times and I'm like, ah, I don't know if we should continue doing that because we're going to saturate us and then we're going to be known for that thing. Yeah. And I don't want that. I don't, I don't think it's okay. You know, we have in the last year guests that have come in more than a hundred times. So for us, it's banking on telling them that we're doing something new and that's exciting. So for our listeners around the country and in other parts of the world, what is the best way for them to support what you all are doing? My website's ericriveracooks.com. And then from there, you kind of plug into all the stuff we're doing. Um, I think from there, you know, on Instagram, it's auto Seattle, ADDO Seattle. And then I'll kind of point you to everywhere else. I've kind of sort of built this almost like it feels like a scavenger hunt for guests. um, But that's on purpose. (laughs) You know, I don't want them to feel like it's a, a random burger place or a random everyday restaurant. I want them to kind of get invested in the idea of what we do and then they discover a newsletter and then they discover this other thing then they understand this other thing and they randomly see like an instagram story that's there for 24 hours that has a very specific experience attached to it um so it it puts them in a spot where they're like having to pay attention constantly and and i kind of like that i love what y'all are doing thank you so much for taking the time i know you guys are super busy but i appreciate you uh coming on today yeah thanks for you you know reaching out and talking Of course. Yeah. So um, please check the show notes for more about Eric and all of the great work that he's doing at Auto. If this episode inspired you, please share it with a friend and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more, 
visit changeofplanspodcast.com. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in.